If your metro don't trust you, I'm gon' shut you Beautiful morning, you're the sun of my morning, babe Nothing on What's up? This is Nostalgia, the first episode of 2017. I am Patrick Sheehan here with my co-host Dave Martin. Dave, what's going on? Happy New Year, dude. What's up, man? What'd you do for your New Year? New Year. Better pod. New Year. New Year improved pod. New us. New us. Got a new iTunes review. Five stars. Did we? You can hit us up on one of those. Find it out. Who gave it to us? Direct link. SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. Was it a review or just a rating? Just a rating. Ah, thank you for the rating, whoever you are. I'm glad that you enjoyed the pod. Just a rate. I appreciate your support. So, Dave, any New Year's resolutions for you? No. Um, not, not something I do, to be honest. Hmm. So you're, you're, not, you're not trying to improve yourself? Time's just a construct, man. It's just a man-made object. I don't really follow the calendar. I mean, sure. I do have one resolution, and that's to talk about Kanye less this year. Which, we can only talk about him less, I, I mean, assume. I assume. I'm just trying to do a good job hosting a pop culture podcast generally that means you're talking about Kanye West so I'm not making that resolution speaking of which his uh, wife is back on social media today so yay Kim recording this on January <laughs> 3rd we have Kim Kardashian back we also have a lot to talk about so why don't we jump right in George Michael Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds what do these three people have in common rip rip yeah a very sad Christmas break 2016 coming at you hard yeah, so they come in threes, man, except 2016 had, like, what, four <laughs> sets of three? A lot of really big-name stars. Starting from the very beginning of the year with David Bowie and ending pretty much right and in Prince the Prince and Gene Wilder and... Yeah, the, uh, Alan, Alan Rickman and yep. Yep, a lot of big ones. Leonard Cohen. So, we don't really have a lot to say. I mean, it's, this news is kind of old at this point, and we, we hit you with those pre-recorded pods last week. Uh, recapping the best of 2016, find that at soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. But, I mean, Carrie Fisher, I guess, is a pretty notable one. George Michael, obviously, a huge pop star from the 80s, 90s, kind of before our Whamming time. Whamming it up. Careless Whispering. Yeah. Faith. Probably my favorite George Michael song. Carrie Fisher, though, kind of an interesting wrinkle. We talked about Star Wars a lot in the pod. Do you think this will have any effect on the story moving forward? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because unless they happen to kill her off in Episode Eight, then it's going to take an effect. Episode Eight already finished filming, so sharp scenes were obviously done. Right. As everyone else's were. But unless they killed her off in episode 8, they have to change their plans for 9. Mm-hmm. And they have to get creative because she's no longer there. And we talked about this on our, our Rogue One review. So I thought a complex nostalgia pod, they don't want to just CGI the character just because they can. So right. I, And especially a saga film like this, it's, it's going to be important. So I don't know. They have a lot of time to think about it, though, because episode... Nine doesn't come out until 2019, so... But they have to start filming by the end of the year, correct? Or by beginning of next year? Beginning of next year. Han Solo starts filming probably in a few months. Gotcha. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think they'll they'll find a creative way. Do you think they would do something maybe even just in the scroll at the beginning of episode nine, just to kind of say... You know, that's probably a really tasteful way to do it, too. Basically not even, like, showing any kind of death or keeping her alive, just kind of having it happen off screen, that would actually probably be a solid way to handle it. That would go over mm-hmm. well, so that makes sense. Yeah, it, she's a huge character for the series, obviously, so it's kind, of, it's kind of sad to think that she wouldn't get some more shine on the way out. But Especially with Han now gone. Yeah, like we're, We know we're getting a lot more Luke now at 8, but I assume Leia's going to have some things to do as well, so... Yeah, g- given the circumstances, it's it's a it's terrible. So R.I.P. to all three of them. I actually didn't realize this, but she was like really 
notable script doctor. Yeah. In the nineties. Hook, wasn't... right? Hook. Hook, sister act, the wedding singer, and Lethal Weapon Three. Mm-hmm. And also she actually did a lot of edits with Empire Strikes Back. She really kinda helped mold the character of Princess Leia in terms mm-hmm. of like changing the dialogue and stuff. So obviously being outspoken as a someone who had addiction problems and depression yeah. and things like that. Mental and health also, advocate. Yep. And considering she was a famous famous child, Debbie yeah. Reynolds, her mom died the day after she did. She had her own uh, demons. In, interesting things happen to her. Shout out to uh, Billy Lord, because her mom and grandmother both died within two days. Yeah. She's the best part of Scream Queen, so I'm invested in her happiness. So, well, so get, get well, Billy Lord. <laughs> Some good things did happen over the holidays. So. Yeah. Why don't we start with Chance the Rapper? We, Always good stuff with that guy. Yeah. We, we we talked a lot about Chance in 2016, 2017. That probably not gonna be any different. He's he's just a powerhouse right now. He's working on the debut album, man. <laughs> <laughs> he the re- debut hasn't happened yet. He released uh, a mixtape with Jeremiah. Yeah. Is that how you say Jeremiah? Jeremiah. Yeah, Jeremiah. You know, the guy who made birthday sex way back in the day. Yeah. Still kicking, still killing it. My siblings who are older, not really big into hip-hop, but I was like, you know who this guy is? The guy who made the song Birthday Sex. And they knew right away. So yeah. it's a song that, nine, that crosses boundaries. But yeah, they, they created a mixtape, Chance and Jeremiah, called Merry Christmas Little Mama, dropped the 23rd of yes, December, I believe. That Friday. And... It was pretty good. It was really good. The, this was recorded like a year ago. Came, right? Yeah, last winter they recorded it because Hannibal Burris, who has like a speaking un- uncredited vocals at the end of the first song, all the way. He basically said that he came to the studio last winter in New York City and met up with them. So they were working on this last winter, and mm-hmm. you know, shout out the master plan, saving it up. But really cool. Shy Town Christmas is just a better version of that Christmas song now. That's yeah, a, that song's pretty hot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think the, the two songs that stood out to me were All the Way, probably the most fun oh, song. All the Way is awesome. And Stranger at the Table, probably the most meaningful song that yeah, yeah, like touched he, everybody. I, I want to say, I think Jeremiah pulls more of the weight on this. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, right? Like, yeah. Chance is good, but he's definitely, like, floating in, like, second fiddle. Yeah. Right? Like, All the Way, yeah, Jeremiah yeah. just kills that from the beginning. Like, Jingle Bell All the Way, like, right away you're in mm-hmm. on the song. And then, you know, Chance ju- jumps in and ah. hops on the flow and stuff. But Andy Greenwald actually made a really good point on the watch pod, which means he makes a great point for right. every time he opens his mouth. But he talked about how Chance is kind of a really good host on his songs. I feel like that's kind of why he did it here. Was he... Yeah. He kind of set, like set the stage... Like, coloring book on mixtape, he's a right. host for Yachty and Young Thug. Exactly. He kind of just set the stage for, for Jeremiah's shine, so... It's pretty cool, and uh, Chance, obviously incredibly talented, he posted a Instagram More today, recently. I think it was either yesterday, we're recording this on the third, yeah, talking, or where he showed a picture of him and Gambino and said, heading back to the, the studio soon, or, or in Hawaii. the lab, or something like that. Yeah, back to work, some pretty... Hashtag Roscoe's wetsuit. Maybe we're going to get that Gambino-Chance collab. Yeah, I think we may have mentioned this briefly, as in some things that I don't think would happen. Mm-hmm. The Chance Bino EP, just like the Kendrick J. Cole album. Hashtag Rosso's Wetsuit, though, is interesting wrinkle, because that is the name of the Donald Glover's film mm-hmm. that Chance was working on with him, and like it was a working title hashtag for a while ago, a few years ago, so hopefully it's not them making some movie thing. It could be. We've talked about rapper movies before and how they're pretty much uh, forgettable. So, I hope it's a CP. That'd be cool. Maybe Gambino's like, I gotta get some music out of me before I go away for a few months to do, make Lando happen. And Yeah, absolutely. And he's still writing. She's finishing writing Atlanta Season 2, so he's 
busy ass dude right now. Yeah, he's really busy. I, I hope it's a, I hope it's music. I hope it's not a movie, but yeah, it could be anything. I also don't expect too. it anytime soon, to be honest. I could see them making this or working on it. I don't know. If they're, they're not guys that are, they're not guys that are gonna rush this out. So no. maybe there's as you saw with the chance to buy. Right, so. and I'm sure they have stuff in, in the vault already, but maybe they'll do some more stuff and then we'll see it post. Han Solo, who knows? Well, something that What's thinking? that we know when when it will be released is the Coachella lineup because it was released today. How about and, that? And uh, Coachella, Coachella 2017, we spoke a little bit about it on past pods. There was speculation that Oasis could be coming together to kick off a world tour, comeback world tour at Coachella. That is not the case, but the uh, other three still rumors, hate each other. Yeah, well, uh, money well, wasn't nice enough. Yeah, maybe well, money would we'll have been pretty good. <laughs> I, I, I would imagine that they'll probably do something in Europe before they come to America, just kick off a world tour. That makes sense, too. Probably Glastonbury or something like that. But Radiohead, Beyonce, and Kendrick are headlining. We already mm. knew that. The undercard, though, pretty enticing. Indeed. So why don't we start with just kind of what, what stood out to you on this lineup? Like, what names or acts are you excited for? I mean, yeah, in general, it's just a very stacked list, a lot mm. of EDM and hip-hop variety, but also... A lot of just bigger acts. I mean, you have acts coming off, or by the time by this time Coachella's mm-hmm. in April. By the time Coachella happens, the XX their new album will be out, right? Yep. So that's obviously huge for them. Schoolboy Q coming off of Blank Face this last summer. Mm-hmm. So and there was Governor's Ball was kind of teasing that he would be there because they posted what a bucket yeah. hat GIF or something. Yeah, they have a. They're giving out clues on their Instagram, and pretty much one of them is going to be him. The thing, thing that stood out to me most was uh, Sunday. The second name after Kendrick is Lord. Yeah, wicked think, exciting. Yeah, I think I said uh, last year that I thought Lord was someone whose new album was on the horizon for. So I oh, think yeah. this, this is a telltale sign. We should get a Lord album in a few months, probably. It, interesting side note, I saw a disclosure on New Year's Eve. They did not play Magnets. That's weak. I, I know. I That's was, fucking weak. Uh, I, I had to step I would have been mad. I had to step out to go to the bathroom a couple of times because they played for three hours. And when when the set was over, I was like, did they play it? And then I was like waiting around for them to come back on and play it. And they never played it. They, so did they just play their songs or did they do mixes and stuff? Because they only have two albums and like yeah, an EP. The first hour, they were they were mixing a lot of their own stuff. And then New Year's Eve hit, uh, they did a countdown. Then they played a lot of like hip-hop. They played David Bowie, Let's Dance at Midnight. Then they went into Prince, mm. which is pretty cool. And they, then uh, the last hour White was noise. all their stuff. Right. Yeah, they kicked off with White Noise and kind of went from there. Featuring Aluna George. So looking at at this lineup, I think I think there's a lot of interesting EDM. We were reviewing the lineup from last year before we came out, and it was a lot of really mainstream EDM, like really Poppy, Zed, Calvin Harris headlined. You had Jack U, Flume. yeah, Flume, Disclosure, they, big they, name guys. Yeah, I mean, and they got they got big names, but I think these guys are a little bit more true to. EDM, which take that for whatever that means. Porter Robinson's definitely true to EDM. Yeah, sure. absolutely. He's like, a, he's like a EDM fans DJ, you know. Yeah, and, and he's performing with Matt Maddion, finishing up their their tour together. I forgot the name of their conjoined what what Got me. yeah group. Steve Angelo. Yeah, Steve from Angelo, the, House Mafia, the Swede. Justice, an EDM group that's huge over in Europe. That's cool. Uh, from France, so they they got some really uh, Martin Garrix also. He's pretty oh, yeah. mainstream now. Him but and Dylan France. Guy K. Trinata though. Yeah, that stands out. That's and he's another guy coming off an album from last he's year. He's playing the same day, day as Kendrick, so it'd be interesting to see if cool. they do any kind of collab together. Probably won't, but it would be interesting. It would also be cool to see if. He, who Keechanada brings out because I could I would imagine he would probably bring out at least one or two people maybe Anderson 
Pac will come back out. Yeah, Anderson and Vic Mensa aren't on the card, so... Yeah, I mean, something. this is just a really deep lineup in general. I mean, Carsey Headrest is a fifth-row headliner, and they were one of the breakout rock bands of last year. Mm-hmm. But an interesting name on this, and maybe we'll wrap up around this, is Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's on the third line of the, the last day, billed first on that line. That's pretty good billing for a guy that doesn't ever do, like, yeah. this kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's just going to play the Batman vs. Superman soundtrack. Yeah, or in the back, we'll watch the movie, <laughs> sit in the crowd. Gladiator yeah. theme song the whole time? Yeah, for I mean, sure. Back in 2000, that, that's a badass tune right there. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what he brings for the, the background, like, visuals, too, if he plays, like, the movie scenes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, like, geez, like, that's like if John Williams. Right. Like, like what, is he bringing an orchestra? I have no like, Obviously, idea. he's a talented guy composing music, but what is he doing for a set at a music festival that's outside? You know, I don't it, know. It's a very interesting idea. Coachella's really good at this stuff, though. I mean, they'll make the most of him. Oh, so. fucking DJ Khaled. <laughs> Major key, bro. Major, Major key. Prince and the Lights there, too. Another oh, album yeah. we liked from last year. And Uzi Vert and that's, Denzel Curry, my guys. So that's just life for Coachella. Yeah, that's a good lineup. But why don't we move on to another good lineup. The Bachelor is back. <laughs> and our boy... No, I'm not going to call him that. Nick. Maybe the least... Maybe the, the most controversial. Bachelor. Better than Josh Murray. Definitely better than Josh Murray. I was thinking you were saying better than Luke, and I, I, I think Luke would have been a better Bachelor. I'm still new enough to the this verse that I can't, you know, argue that point against you. But I hated that guy, so Luke. I thought Luke was a a dud, a freaking dork. Yeah, a dud. Well, what did you think of this opening episode? What 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 like stood out to you? It was kind of boring in a lot. Yeah, I'll say it, it was kind of by the book, I guess, in terms of no one got like too wasted on their wine or anything. Except for the girl in the shark slash dolphin suit. Oh, she actually was kind of lit, She was she? Wa- In one of her interviews, uh, Lauren Eversley, friend of the pod, pointed this out to me. Her eyes were basically closed and she was like falling over. So yeah, she was pretty awesome. She was fully clothed in a in a dress in a shark suit and went in the water up to her waist. I was yeah. like, girl, what are you That doing? was a left shark costume for Katy Perry Super Bowl. <laughs> she insisted it was a dolphin. Yeah. These aren't gill slits. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> Standing out though, getting the rose, so... I guess she'll be kept around for a little bit for the comic relief. Makes sense. Yeah, it was interesting seeing some of the girls that Producer were picked. intervention, obviously. Yeah, I, I think on the first night you can always see who he actually wants because they get the roses early and like, the last four or five are producer picks just to create some kind of storyline. I mean, yeah, it doesn't really matter. No, know? it's all whatever, but it's just so much fun to watch. Yeah, like, like JoJo obviously had Jordan Rodgers on the short list from day zero, so right. the other back-end guys, it's, she doesn't actually care who gets picked, because she'll pick Jordan over that, those guys 99% of the time, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's the same way with The Bachelor. Yeah. He has a few girls already, I assume, that are on his list. Shout out the one he already knows. Yeah. That's that's interesting. That, that That's very interesting. <laughs> uh, although, how, like, He kind of had the sick burn. Why would you keep her on if, if you're him? Yeah, you know, exactly, good point, because she's he's basically like, I asked you for your number you know, in private, in real life, and you said no, and now you want to come on and do this on TV? Mm-hmm. That's a little shady. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm the bachelor, but still, I'm not props for saying that, but yeah, keep her on, because it's, you know, narrative. Something else that I thought was also really interesting was they talked a lot about sex on this yes. episode. They're basically just like, like yeah, Nick likes to fuck. And I was like, what? <laughs> Sorry, kids, if you're listening to this, hope yeah. you were in the car with your with your family. I heard but, you like a good hump. I yeah. I do, too. I mean, oh, and the, the wiener thing? Oh, God, there's a lot of... A lot of sex. The girl who's had the, the, the no panties line. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a lot of it. Your last name is Vile, and my last name is right. Blah, and together we're a horrendous slut. And like, there was a lot of those things. Not all of them hit, but yeah, well, can, like, that girl didn't stay. But. What's interesting about it, too, is that Nick was kind of cast as a villain on Caitlin Bristow's season because he ended up sleeping with her, and it became known, and they had to, like, switch everything up, and she had to, like, tell everybody that, that this happened. It was very weird. And now they're kind of just embracing, oh, yeah, this, he's going to sleep around with all these girls, and no big deal. It's just kind yeah. of the way Well, he was vindicated on Paradise, bro. Where have you been? But but here's the interesting <laughs> thing. So Which we recap. Stop.com slash Nostalgia Pod. We did. Very outdated, but still check it out. <laughs> so Ben and Lauren have that show, Happily Ever After. Which they put off their wedding. Wait, did they really? They did, yeah. Weird. They're still engaged, but they don't have a wedding date now. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, they basically exiled Caitlin Bristow because she broke the rules and had sex with somebody during her season before the fantasy suites, of course. Um, On The Bachelorette. Right. They kind of, didn't Nick, like, this was, he's like, shows up, like, halfway, halfway through. through or something. Yeah, yeah. She, she broke all the rules and the producers didn't like it. She would have been way more interesting to have a follow-up show. She's a lot more fun, much more of a social light, and her, her relationship is all over Snapchat, and it's actually fun to watch, so. I don't know. They, they really fucked that up. We aren't rated R for nothing, folks. Join our Bachelor Fantasy League. Yeah. You can just Google that. With ABC, you can use your ESPN or Facebook account. Easy to do. Our group name is Third Day He Rose Again, Third 3RD. Not spelled out. You can join. There's, like, picks you make per episode, like yes or no questions or, like, you know, multiple choice questions, as well as making your final picks. It's, what, the four, it's the hometown dates and then the final rows, right? Mm -hmm. And we have two more weeks until those are officially locked. Which right. I like. I like that we can switch them because, like, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot in the beginning. Like, yeah, seen an episode, A few episodes. And uh, Dave is currently winning because he got the first impression rose. That's right. But he would be losing to me otherwise, so. <laughs> kind of a moot point, but. If you say so. I gotta, gotta make myself feel better Shooter about shoot, it a little man. bit. Speaking of shooter shooting, Run the Jewels basically shot up my Christmas plans because... On Christmas Eve... And our year-end list. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Everyone's year-end list, we're not alone. I mean, uh, I was kind of thinking that day, we'll, we'll get to it, but it was a Christmas fucking miracle, Dave. Because yeah. I was sitting there, basically at midnight, on, well, as Christmas Eve turned to Christmas, and I, turned, I look on Twitter, and it says, RTJ3 has just been dropped. And I was like, oh my god. And it's fire. Yeah. So, it was what, can come out January 12th, I believe, and they surprise drop it two weeks early, after kind of going against expectations and announcing a traditional release date. So that was like, okay, you, mm-hmm. you threw us through a loop on the surprise release. Right. Like, kudos. You actually can get it for free if you want on their website, or pay for it if you want. But yeah, it's longer than the other albums, like about 20 minutes, like a 50-minute album. And yeah, it's really great. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, a lot, it's a lot to unpack. It, it's tough because I've only listened to it, you know, one and a half times, but there's such a lyrical duo mm-hmm. with their content that it's tough to really analyze and break it down it's kind of like how i feel about frank ocean honestly yeah it's, it's not content like kanye rapping about fucking models it's mm. and bleached really, assholes and yeah. taylor swift and shit it's really heavy shit politically charged <laughs> social issues racism classism yep so, killer mike was a really heavy bernie supporter yeah he did sit downs with bernie now that he's just like features with that like in politico and yep he was obviously riding for bernie hard you know even before this election cycle even started killer mike has always been a political guy who was very mm-hmm. anti-establishment corruption and things like yep. that and rtj2 their second album 
they really started to get quite political. I think Run the Jewels 1, it's kind of there, but that's really mm -hmm. just more them establishing their sound and their lyricism. Two, better album in every way, basically. Much more political. And this one is, I wouldn't say it's any more political, it's more just more focused political, because it's mm -hmm. very much a reaction to the election. Yeah. And kind of the, it's kind of know, a warning, the almost. The climate, the social climate right now. Right, of what's to come. And it's it's funny, because they, they do talk so much about the social issues that are, are going on, and how things are kind of run by the government. They're almost kind of conspiracy theorists in a way. I, yeah. <laughs> like, I, that's my thing with them. They're almost setting out to be like the soundtrack to riots, you know? Because mm -hmm. like they almost are so much out there, even if they're, they're kind of just right telling you how it is in certain aspects. Well, and like on RTJ2, they also have Zach De La Rocha from Rage Against yep. the Machine, who Back actually again. closes out this album, yep. which I thought that song, what's it called? I remember. The first one's called Close Your Eyes and Count the Fuck. Yeah. RTJ2. Yeah, that last song, A Report to the Shareholders slash Kill Your Masters, is pretty much a song discussing how they became a group, pretty much what they're all about. Uh, and then Zach De La Rocha just comes on to burn everything down at the end. And <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, that's that was his whole message with Rage Against the Machine yeah. and, what, and what Prophets of Rage is, is the establishment is horrible and you need to basically create social change by rioting and, and pushing back against the machine in a way. I really want to give run the jewels a lot of credit because this is their third album and they are super consistent mm -hmm. in terms of the quality of their output i mean rage against the machine they only made three albums mm -hmm. i mean now i mean go take a look there's pieces now about where does R rtj stand in terms of rap duos of all time i think there's definitely a question to have there before we move there i just yeah. wanted to say i thought the production oh it's it's immaculate L it's so LPs. detailed it's Incredible. so it's like such an awesome synthetic sound but it's so detailed and, I mean, he, he obviously, you know, his first part of his career, he was just a producer. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, he's very experienced. He's very good at it. Mm -hmm. And you can see it here. I mean, all the songs. The way um, the intro track, Down, which I think is it's actually kind of weak, but the Talk way it blends to to into Talk To Me, which is an awesome song. Amazing. And then Legend Has It, which might be my favorite song. It was the last single. The production super multi-layered. Very impressive. This ain't no Atlanta trap show. No. It's not just a, a bass line. It's, this is really good. And they have such great chemistry. The way they, they work together. And again, LP wasn't a rapper. He's super good now. Like, he just is. And it's really impressive. Yeah, actually, I thought their chemistry was better on this album than any of the ones before. Because mm -hmm. on the ones before, it seemed very, almost, like, formulaic. They're, Killer Mike's gonna start LP and then Killer Mike yeah, again. Yeah, they're more efficient, I think, in, yes. like, what they're doing on this album now. Absolutely. And it, it flows a little bit better. I think it was a Panther Like a Panther. There's, like, a part where... Killer Mike spits like three lines, then LP just jumps in. It just feels like they're yeah. almost going Switch back and forth. Switching like the flow, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so I mean, phenomenal. Yeah, when that when that's done great, I always hyper back to Gotta Have It on Watch the Throne mm -hmm. when Jay-Z and Kanye go back and forth. Whenever, even Drake and Future did it on What Time to Be Alive, you know, whenever a duo can go back and forth on, you know, within the same verse, it's impressive as hell. And these guys are a fantastic duo. And again, RTJ, they're such a... The music, the lyrics are so complex that this is not something I can just you can't just put on all the time. No. It's really just now. I, honestly, I think it's an album that's good to listen to front to back, just because yeah. because you have the subject matter. You can't. But just you got, you got to be in the right mindset to listen to RTJ. Yeah. Like I like still I don't even I'm not even confident in being able to talk about their first two albums that well just because it's right. such deep and you know yeah. layered. It's, it's uh, it music. intricate. I think one of the, the things that really stands out to me with with our run the jewels and any pretty much any album that they put out i basically want to run through a wall after i've like <laughs> i've been done with like finished listening to it i just kind of want to like go work out or do something because they're, they're so powerful their sound their sound is 
like just constant bangers. Yeah. But it's still very unique. And this album is very much a, like I said, an efficient unification of that sound that they've been developing for two albums. And Killer Mike started to right. tease with his last solo work album, Rap Music, which is the how they came together to LP executive produced that whole thing in 2012. So. Yeah. Quite the journey, these guys. And, and to go along with that sound, I think they also had some, some tracks where they really experimented and used some really interesting effects to create a different sound and then mm-hmm. switch it up halfway through. So, uh, it, again, the producing on this just really stood out to me. They also had some really good features. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kamasi Washington. Yeah, your guy uh, from the Meadows. Yeah, love. Uh, he, he's just fantastic. Carry Everything on I've heard sax. him on. Uh, Trina on Panther Like a Panther, I thought was an awesome, like, hook to have mm-hmm. on there. Yes. And then... Danny Brown. I thought he killed it on that track, dude. Danny Brown. Hey, kids. Atrocity Exhibition, his album from last year, was Anthony Fantano's album of the year last year, who's the most popular music reviewer on YouTube. Danny Brown, if you've listened to anything, super eclectic and also super incredibly lyrical. I picked Really Doe for one of my top uh, 10 songs of 2016 because of that. And yeah, he fits right in, and when he does the cut ad lib before he jumps in the verse you're just like holy shit and then obviously it's great fantastic so you mentioned earlier why why don't we do this in in two stages is there a rap duo out there right now that's even close well honestly there really aren't rap duos anymore thing yeah i mean ray shremmer ray shremmer is is a duo drake and future aren't a duo they just had a a collaborative project Right. right so active it's just it's ray shremmer and run the jewels and then I mean, technically, Little Wayne and Two Chains have a, their College Grove thing. Okay. But I, I still kind of see that more like Drake and Future, where they just kind of do a make a project. They made a project last year under an, their own name, but I mean, they're still very much two solo artists in my book. Right. And yeah, I'm really there. Are, there aren't any really that many other duos. Yeah, and then when you think about all time, I mean, it's obviously Outkast yeah, has Outcast. the crown. That's not going yeah. away for a long time. And then it's like you know, UGK. Mm-hmm. You know, I sometimes forget UGK was two people. Yeah, I think it's like a because you always think it is Bumpy. It's also interesting too because these these uh, LP and Killer Mike is a rap duo where they both rap, and LP obviously handles all the production. Eric B and Rakim, that's just one rapper, Mm -hmm. Rakim, right? But I don't know if I put Run the Jewels over them because Rakim literally influenced the way everyone sounded from his point forward in rap. So it's tough. I would put them ahead of of, uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince though. Who, you know, I mean, you laugh, yeah, but, but they are still a, a good duo. They so. are. It, it's just funny to, to think about, like, Killer Mike and LP right. and then Fresh Prince. And- yeah, I mean, you have, like, you have, like, you have, like Gangstar, that we're really dating ourselves now, Red Man, and, uh, what, Method Man, mm-hmm. which is, like, a duo within a group. So, yeah. there really aren't any. I mean, if we ever got the throne again, EA and Hove. Right. You know, who knows? I really thought a Watch the Throne 2 was happening yeah. kind of recently when Watch the Throne 1 came out. I really thought it was coming, but I mean, who knows now the way, who knows how even close they are anymore. But yeah, so Run the Jewel is clearly the most talented and the best duo right now. Absolutely. And they're quickly rising up the ranks. They're probably already top five. I mean, it's pretty clear. They're, yeah, I think they're one of my, they're probably my, they're probably my favorite rapper out besides Chance and Kanye, like just in terms of songs i enjoy listening to mm-hmm. they're just phenomenal yeah i mean i don't really have much more to say about this i but think listen that's yeah, what I'm saying. legend has it was also my favorite song yeah that song's, that song's um, so hard thursday in the danger room i thought was also a pretty yeah. funky song like, we talked about the political stuff and you can really find that any like there's a lot of shit on 2100 mm-hmm. you know it's talking about like the establishment the corruption stuff you said thursday in the danger room before yeah. uh, i actually liked oh mama a lot hmm. uh, i thought the, the hook there was cool 
And also, uh, what's the song where they fantasizing about selling out MSG? Oh, uh, Tinkerton. Tinkerton, yeah, yeah, I like that one too. That that's a really good one. Uh, call Call Tinkerton. Yep. Right after Legend has it, yeah, that's good. That that's uh, a really good one. Stay Gold. It's funny because I feel like Stay Gold's kind of like a a mediocre track per RTJ standards. Which, right, but which again, it's still a high race yeah. standard. So. Uh, yeah, if, I guess if there was a, one song, it probably would be Stay Gold that I thought was eh, but. To be honest, it really wasn't a song as yeah. I was listening to this that I, I wanted to skip. So Really good album. Definitely listen to it. Widespread uh, critical acclaim so far. Yeah. Which, I again, mean, not surprising. Run the jewels. They're very good, very consistent, and it's great that they're keeping their own standard and doing it their way because they're an independent duo. Your hand in a gun and a fist, man. That's what it's all about. Nice album cover again. I like this color scheme. The yeah. blue and the gold. They, they're, they're awesome. I mean, I think it's everything that they do is, this seems to hit right now. So hopefully they'll keep that up and... They'll be giving us more music moving forward. We'll give you more podcasts, definitely. We know that for sure. We'll be back next week. Uh, not sure what we're talking about yet. A couple of things. Maybe we'll be Stuff. discussing Golden Globes. Oh, yeah. Zell have happened. Sherlock's kicking off. Mm-hmm. We're not caught up, but let us know if you're into it. Series 4. It's been two years. So. Yeah, and if you have, if you want us to talk about something on the pod, at NostalgiaPod on Twitter, at Martin Swagger, at Sheeny World Peace. Uh, find us, SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod. Stitcher, tune in. Google Play. Google Play. What else am I missing? Anything? I think that's it. That's it, yeah. Got them. I got most of them. Today. That's pretty good. Facebook Live Audio in 2017. Yeah. TVD. We'll, we'll be doing that at some point. But until then... Young, young Pope, two weeks. Get ready. Yeah, Happy New Year. And we're ready to bring you a very good year of podcasting. Take care.